0: Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. and this is Billy Joel A to Z. He
1: he started out writing in in response to mainly what he had been through with his ex-manager, and I was a bit
0: upset about that because I didn't think that the ex-manager deserves a song. can take it from
1: me is yours to keep cause opinions are free. Nobody knows about the trouble I've seen. Nobody's perfect, Mr. Nobody's clean.
0: It costs too much, and takes too long to find out too late. Some
1: words are not heard till after they are spoken. Your role was Your soul was too defective Some people just don't have a heart to be broken Welcome to another thrilling episode of Billy Joel A to Z as today our podcast takes us to The Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China is a song by singer-songwriter Billy Joel. You know, in case you've never heard of it before because you haven't. <laughs> the Great Wall of China is the second song off of Billy's 12th and final studio album entitled River of Dreams. It can be found on the B-side of the single The River of Dreams which was released September 1, 1993. That single was called a double V side. Do you
0: get it cuz they're both songs that start with V.
1: Oh, double V side. Okay, that's pretty good.
0: Uh you know, it's late we're recording late. You didn't get the joke. It was a pretty good
1: joke. Well, I thought you said double D and that's why I didn't get the joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, then it works, yes. The Great Wall of China does appear. On Twelve Gardens Live, which is a miracle, but that's where the magic ends. I know we promised, Alon, no more Elizabeth Weber stories. So, please tell us, Alon, this song is not about Elizabeth Weber. I mean, please tell us it's not.
0: Well, as far as we can tell, she cut her hair really short and posed as her brother Frank, and then screwed over Billy Joel once again. What are you saying, Alon? It's about another
1: member of the Weber family. These damn Webbers, <laughs> yes, it is. Go figure, my goodness, So before we get to that nonsense, what caused him tonight write another scathing song about one person in that particular family and what caused him to leave show business, this bastard we need to find just like her. Uh, why don't you tell us what the rankings might be for this most unusual song of Billy Joel? Uh, let's I, start with Christopher Bonanos, of course.
0: Right. I think, I don't know. I think Christopher Bonanos would agree with me that we've had enough of Billy Joel complaining about industry problems. And he's going to say, enough, Billy. Why are you still writing these songs? And I think he's going to put this pretty low. I'm going to guess 108.
1: Yep. You're right there. 101. Uh, And that's just six above Great Suburban Showdown. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, another one with a really polished hook and dull verses. Lyrics about broken friendships have a little kick, given that Joel's had his share. Uh, Glenn Gamboa puts it at 75 uh, because he actually says the soaring grandeur he builds with the Beatles-esque swirl of harmonies for the chorus. Makes the sense of sneering disappointment in the verses feel that much more crushing. I am all in on that statement. And the fans ranked this at uh, a rather high 76.
0: I'm kind of surprised by that. Well, where do you put this in your rankings? Well,
1: I'll tell you, Alon. I don't remember this song until I heard it again. Uh, obviously, this is one of those albums I listened to backwards and forwards when it first came out, I guess. But I don't remember it. And when we said we were doing the Great Wall of China, I had no idea how it went. And then when it first started, I was like, this is going to suck. But then they're right. When it builds to that real big crescendo, it's perfect for me. It's perfect for (laughs) Dave Juskow. It's perfect for an arena rock like song. They're completely right. The verses ruin it. But that crescendo, I love it. And then I, you know, I, I enjoyed the song. I enjoyed listening to the song. I should have known.
0: I should have known you would like this because it's an airing of grievances. This is the festivus of Billy Joel
1: songs. It's your well, whole
0: personality right here.
1: I know, but I really actually hate the lyrics and I didn't I don't listen to that. But if I'm listening to the melody alone and enjoying the chorus a lot, that's what I'm taking from it. I'm not taking the scathing lyrics about you know i mean I, I, only because i mean we would totally accept this if it wasn't his entire you know the last uh from nylon curtain on where he's just complaining about bad management it's it's really annoying I yeah think, it's you know. frustrating it's like he's
0: wasting all these tracks on bad management songs when he should be doing more sailing songs
1: what's <laughs> he exactly, thinking exactly alan exact my goodness <laughs> so Christy Brinkley was always angry at this song because it wasn't about her. No, I'm kidding. The reason she was angry is she thought this guy, Frank, didn't deserve a song. And she's yes. right.
0: Right. She said, I was upset. I didn't think the ex-manager deserves a song. But I could tell from that interview, there's a tinge of her being like, why does he deserve a song when Billy still hasn't written me a good song? Like, keep trying, Billy. Write more Christie songs, is what she would say. That's
1: what should have happened. And their marriage probably would have been better off. And they'd probably still be married today if he had written her a really decent song. Again, that's why he didn't write a song for this new wife. And that's why they're still together.
0: No, but I think you have something to that. Because actually, if he had not been so focused on how the industry screwed him or how his ex-brother-in-law screwed him, maybe he would have been in a better mood and been a better husband. And then actually, it would not have fallen apart. And, and he, he could probably have just still would have go. been writing
1: music. I mean, there is something. And remember, this is his last album. And he's st- still talking. I mean, he he just freshly gotten screwed. So he gets out of a, a bad marriage where he got screwed, where this woman hands him a piece of paper after a motorcycle accident and says, I want to take everything you have. That's devastating. He writes a devastating album. He somehow picks up the pieces, meets the the hottest girl ever writes a happy album and then, you know, just becomes a musician again. And then it all comes crashing down again with a member of that same horrible evil family crushes him so much. He's like, I'm done. If the Webbers are awful, awful people and they are the cause for us never getting a new Billy Joel song since
0: 1993. Except Elizabeth's sister who lives in New Mexico, who we'll get to in the W's, but she seems like a cool, cool lady. But it's kind of strange that Billy Joel would trust Elizabeth's brother, right? I mean, like Elizabeth screws him over. He finally gets out of that marriage, but he still has enough trust in her brother that like he would side with Billy over his sister. Because then for 10 10 plus more years, they have a supposedly good relationship as his manager.
1: Because, Alon, it's so easy to, it's so easy to get, I don't want to say scammed, but I guess it's scammed. It's easy to, you know, I'm still friends with girlfriends, brothers. You know, it's just, it just happens sometimes. They're like great guys and they get sad that, um, sorry, it didn't work out with you guys. And, but remaining friends, that's when you're supposed to say, it's not cool if I hang out with you anymore because, you know, I, our relationship should be stopping. That's the, the question you always have to make when you leave a girlfriend and you like their family or their brother, do you still see them? It is awkward. So he probably should have made the move and said, I got to make a clean break of this family. But th- this guy must have been, like Hitler, extremely charming in some way <laughs> we can't see that he's able to take over the Billy Joel universe by just truly being a, a good orator. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mean, fr- Frank there are Weber, people the like great, that in life. Order. There are people like that in life that just uh, fool you, and are that good and suck you in. And I've fallen for it a hundred times. I've said multiple times that if somebody knows my name and uses it in a sentence, I'm that person's friend for life. That's how I believe. That's how Bill Clinton won the election. He remembers people's names, right, Alon? Alon, you know what I'm saying? He knows yeah. me, and right, I'm saying if he uses your name and saying he just met you. He shakes your hand, says, Alon, so nice meeting you. Tell me you aren't going to feel unbelievable, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would. That is really important. It always Frank sticks, you, one it of those sticks with you.
0: Yeah. So Frank you know? is good with names. That's what we figured out. He's charismatic like Hitler and good with remembering names. <laughs> I think part of it's also that like when Billy Joel became really massively famous, like he probably didn't know who to trust. And people like Frank and Elizabeth were people he knew from back before he was famous. So he felt like these are people he could trust.
1: And that happens all the time, too. You always want to trust the people you met before you were famous. And those are those are the only people you feel you can trust. And so there's definitely something to that. It's just a bummer for all of us. And this guy's clearly still alive. And we should really go out there, you know, with some bricks and baseball blats. And uh... <laughs> no, hey, that, that's from uh, uh, Manhattan, the movie, the Woody Allen movie, Manhattan, where he goes, did, did you guys hear um the Nazis are marching in New Jersey. I think we should get out there with some bricks and baseball bats and, you know, really teach them a lesson. And then the guy goes, um, you know, I read a scathing satirical piece on that the other day, and he goes, yeah, yeah satirical pieces are wonderful, but bricks and baseball bats really, you know, tell it to Nazis. But I, we really should go to this guy's house and really let him have it. And yeah. I don't know. It's like, I mean, this guy, him and his wife are still, him and his sister are still alive, and they've caused so much grief in our lives, our, our Billy Joel world, they're horrible people. What an awful evil family. Do you think they ever show up at the residency just with regular tickets because they still like Billy Joel? No. I don't because there's too many people that are good at recognizing faces. I mean, I haven't Do you know what this guy looks like? I don't. No idea. Yeah. But again, they they went into hiding, the two of them. <laughs> I mean, it's messed up. It's wild how anonymous
0: Elizabeth has been, as far as we know. Not that we do a ton of research ourselves, but I mean, compared
1: to his later wives, she has yeah. gone like the wind. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, speaking of that, this song was supposed to be t- entitled, Frankly, My Dear, I Don't Give a Damn Anymore.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, how about that? We just pulled that all, all around. Well done. He loves Actually, it. It's uh, Frank- Frankie, My Dear, was what it was supposed to be called. Frankie, right, My right, Dear, I the Don't the Give The song
1: it. was supposed to be called, Frankie, My Dear, I Don't Give a Damn. Right. Yeah. Frankie, my dear, I don't give a damn. I mean, that's how much this song was about this. I mean, we know it's about this guy, but you know what's weird, Alon? This is so stupid. I just, weird Alon. <laughs> Are we <laughs> up to that already? I was in a band right around this time in the 90s, in the mid 90s, I guess maybe three years later than the song came out. And I had just gotten I had a problem with Caroline's the comedy club and they just sued me. It was like really bad. Things are okay now, but things were really bad 20 years ago or so. I was in this band, and I wrote songs about how much I hated Caroline's. (laughs) In fact, one of them is called Natterman's Down. It's about Dan Natterman because I got him involved with Caroline's, and I felt bad about it. And it's like he signed on the line in blood, you know, like like whatever the song the lyrics were or whatever. It was all about how I hated Caroline's and Caroline and Caroline's. Man, how did and this I band not make it? Them. And then I remember my friends when I performed at this um, really great club on 26th and 3rd, gone now. It was called the oh crap. I can't remember the name. It was this great band for like a great bar uh for local, you know, for just uh bands. Great place on 26th and 3rd and the the Rodeo Bar it was called. It was fantastic and I played there one night my friends all came. It was really exciting. Sarah was there. You know, everybody showed up and it was really great. And my friends were talking amongst themselves. They're like, wait, he's writing songs about his management. It's weird. You know, because they were my managers. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. (laughs) They sued me. Uh, And they're like, well, he writes about what he knows. I was like, (laughs) I heard them talking when I was there. You know, they were just talking about the songs Mm -hmm. that I had written were, were, were about bad management. It is kind of funny. How and I, I wasn't thinking of Billy Joel when I wrote it. I didn't think for a second. I didn't know what the song was about when it first came out. I didn't understand. Of course. So it just it is kind of funny how it just you write what you know. And that's what he knew at that time. And at that time, he was going through it. And remember, he had just discovered this guy was embezzling from him. Right. I mean, after Stormfront, he found out this guy was embezzling. So it was fresh. And he's like, Jeez, how can it not be in his mind? I got screwed by that family again.
0: Yeah. And the worst part of it is when it's a creative pursuit, like you with your comedy or Billy Joel with his music, when it's your management screwing you, you know that they're also getting a cut of whatever you create. So it just, you don't want to, you feel bad even creating stuff. And so if, they're, if you're going to have them take, make money off of you, you want to at least kind of
1: stick it to them by writing songs about how they suck. That's right. lot. that's right. quick comedy. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it definitely was not a good time for me or our boy i will tell you though that the opening of this song is exactly like spice girls wanna be did you notice that uh no i was going to
0: say it sounded like something else but tell me show, show
1: me how this is like spice girls oh well it's the uh na 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 nah, nah. Tell me what you want. What you really, really want. <laughs> what you? <laughs> oh, it starts like that. Yeah. Oh wow, that's cool. That is a weird. That's so, such like a jerky, jerky beat. But they stole it from him this time. It's three years later.
0: I can't believe there's only three years between this and the Spice Girls. Isn't that's to that, well, my mind.
1: Probably another reason why he left the business. He's like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. The fact he- that the Spice Girls are the hottest. That no that song went to number one. This guy has you know what 12 albums and three songs that went to number one they come out with one song and it goes to number one he's probably like i'm out no he was like i stepped down from the throne you are the new
0: queens (laughs) you are the new queens of singer songwriting and that lasted for a very good two years and a pretty good movie yeah a really
1: great movie what's and that candy they had those spice girl pops that were like blow pops the problem is, Alon, you are the exact age where you probably loved that movie.
0: I, I, I'm i at the age where I saw the movie a few times because my younger brother was kind of he liked that movie.
1: He was yeah. a few years younger than me. Yeah, that's well, that makes sense, because that movie is awful.
0: Yeah, I think it has a cult following now. It's one oh, of those I'm things, sure it does. you know, Because it's like a hard day's night. It's that kind of thing. So what I no girls. Yeah, right. Anything with girls in the name is usually going to be pretty good. I thought the opening, the strings specifically, sound a lot like I Am the Walrus by the Beatles. Mm. Well, Very similar string work. And that song, uh, this song has Humpty Dumpty lyrics when he says all the king's horses, all the king's yes. men. And I am the walrus has the lyric, they are the Eggmen." Huh?
1: That's it's like Humpty Dumpty. I gotta say, when I hear when I heard the lyrics before I looked at the lyrics and I was listening to the song, and All the King's Horses and All the King's Men, that's for me, that's lazy writing. When I heard it immediately, I hated it. I'm like, "What is this?" All the all the kids, man. I'm like, "What is he?" Th- I, I I hate it. I was so angry at that. I don't mind it because then it follows up
0: with the can put you together the way you used to be. So if it was just that line alone, I would get it. But I think it's a good metaphor for Humpty Dumpty. With no, it's a metaphor. Frank I just is. don't like.
1: I don't know why it's it's not a good for me. It's not a good stolen piece. That's really good. I well, do that's how like, I also
0: feel when we did. Um. Uh, gosh, what? Famous Last Words, right? Which I think is a really good song, but he uses that line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That's just right. what this title was almost. And I felt like, why is he throwing in a random movie phrase here?
1: You mean in, in this song? No, in Famous Last Words, he
0: did oh, the same fam- thing. So yeah, it was something with his writing process during this time. Because he period. can't
1: help himself. He loves Gone with the Wind. Let's look at some of the lyrics because they are unbelievable. I mean, it's just, if it wasn't a song, he would just be, this would be a letter to frank weber <laughs> right yeah advice is cheap take this you creep no that, that's that's <laughs> from greece i'm sorry i that's, it's, it's a combination of when uh, rizzo throws up uh, the shake at uh Keniki. advice is cheap you can take it from me it's yours to keep opinion because opinions are free nobody knows about the trouble nobody knows the trouble i've seen I mean, if he's writing something like that, it sounds like it's one of those songs like tote that barge, lift that bale. I mean, that's what he's comparing himself to. Yeah. Nobody's perfect, mister. Nobody's clean. It costs too much. It takes too long to find out too late. Some words are not heard. No, I forget that. Um, <laughs> And then it kind of unravels from there. Yeah, that way.
0: Right. Then it kind of unravels. So who cares about that? Well, how about this one? The, you start with a you take a piece of whatever you touch. That's a good one about like the you know having to pay out royalties to these kind of jerks.
1: Yeah you take a piece of whatever you touch too many pieces means you're touching too much. You never win if you can't play it straight. You only beat me if you get me to hate. And that's what Christy Brinkley was saying too. Like you get you know he he doesn't deserve this because but but it did work. He did beat him because he did write this song. And this song went to number one. <laughs> it must be so lonely to think you have only somebody else's life to live if they let you i ain't too selective but it don't take no detective to find out how fast your friends will forget you but apparently it does because it took them a lot of years to figure it out now all you're going to be is history help yourself it's all you can eat at the empire diner tonight what the hell (laughs) it's so funny because it's like the empire diner is not an all you can eat
0: buffet so how did he work out this good deal with the diner management
1: (laughs) well that's why i was kind of hoping he was a fat guy that would have been much funnier that he yeah we should find a picture because if he is a big fat guy then then it's funny i think i've seen pictures i don't think he's fat you could have had class you could have been a contender another movie lyric another movie list charlie you should have looked out for me. You could have been standing on the Great Wall of China. Charlie? Because that's the movie line. Yeah. It
0: wasn't him, Charlie. It was you. you. Remember that night in the garden you came down my dressing room and said, Kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Wilson. You remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart. So what happens? He gets the title shot outdoors in a ballpark, and what do I get?
1: A one-way ticket to Pelucaville. You was my brother, Charlie. You should have looked out for me a little bit. You should have taken care of me just a little bit, so I wouldn't have to take them dives for the short end money. I had some bets down for you. You saw some money. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Yeah. I mean he really goes for it, but that's that's what the whole song, by the way, folks. If if you don't know is based is it's not about China. It's he's saying we could have been as big as the Great Wall of China. We could have, we could have been fucking Frank Weber ruined everything. He really did. He's saying we could have really made. I mean, I don't know what further more Billy Joel could have gotten to, but apparently there could have been more albums. And more greatness, and that's what he's saying. And he's basically saying, "I hope you're happy with yourself. You've ruined everybody's good time. I hate you."
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it's scathing. I like the line when he says, "In lieu of diamonds, golden platinum reminders will still shine bright." Which is obviously, even though he doesn't have all the money because this guy stole it, he still has his golden platinum records on the
1: wall. Right. So Billy always still has that to remind him of how great he is. Yeah. What a dick! It really makes me angry. I mean, it really is this guy's fault, and it's something we hadn't talked about. I and mean, we we'll obviously talk about Elizabeth Weber nonstop because she is, again, very much like Hitler. Completely fascinating. Can be discussed until the end of time. How she, everything she did, the maneuvering, the weaseling, and all that kind of stuff, uh, and and all the songs that were created from their relationship, and all the songs that were created after. But this we we hadn't talked about, and it's and everyone know you know any Billy Joel fan knows the story. You know it was out there in the papers back then. I mean it was really big. Uh, this was just as big as him and Christy Brinkley getting married. It was everywhere, every day. Everybody knew Billy Billy Joel got screwed, way screwed by his brother-in-law, and the worst thing that could happen to anybody really, a family member, a trusted family member.
0: Yeah, and it literally pulled him out of the industry. He said enough is enough. Not to mention he had uh, a lot of uh, writer's block at this point in time, because he says in the Shades of Grey documentary, he literally had nothing he could think of to write about. Then this, this kind of hate he felt actually was the first song he was able to really start putting down on the paper.
1: But that's also the other problem, Milan. He was blocked by his hatred of this guy, by how could I let this happen? He's not thinking of music. He's not thinking of his beautiful wife. He's, he's thinking how could I have not seen the signs? And that is clogging his musical greatness. And, and it's very clear on this album. And meanwhile, uh, just moving ahead, you know, they, this is one of those shelter Island session song, uh, which they do have a version of, but I Mm -hmm. actually like the, this version much better.
0: Yeah. This is a song that needed this production level that, that they, that Danny Kochmar brought to it. Uh, Shelter Island is just a little bit too sparse.
1: Also, that's the thing. It's it's very odd that it's on 12 Gardens live. It's so strange that he, you know, you know I mean, I don't. Well, I can't, actually, I'm, what are the live statistics? I'd be
0: thrilled. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, so he's played this 11 times. 80, it's the 89th most played song, but he played it eight times in 2006. So And all from like January to February. So he was, started playing this like every single show, then did that Garden show, then played it a couple more times, and then didn't play it again until 2013, when he played it three times, and that's it. So for some reason, now, if you remember, we've talked about this before, in tw- in 2006, that very first show from that tour was down in Florida. And he had a really unique set list where he was trying out a lot of rare songs. And this, was, I guess, was one of them. And maybe he just felt like this one rocks. I want to keep doing this. And so the timing of when 12 Gardens Live was recorded just worked out and it made it onto that album.
1: I got to say, you know, listening to the live version, it's it's terrific in a sense. It's not better than... You know, sometimes I say the live version is better. I think the produced actual River of Dreams one is better, but it works well as a live song because of its arena rock chorus, which is really great. So, you know, it's obviously not a song everybody's going to sing to, but you could fill an arena with this song, and I I, I think it would work live. I, I, It's one of those things where I... I don't know whether I'd want to hear it live and waste one of the other ones I'd rather hear live, but I think it could fill the arena and be interesting. But then on the flip side, with him singing the song, he might get angry and not be having a good time because he's uh, remembering what it's about.
0: Yeah, he sings this and just the way you are, then forget about it. He's out of his right. Mind. He's like,
1: why do I fuck? Why did I write so many songs about the Weber family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, you know, I think it it sounds good on the 12 Gardens live, but I don't think it's great for live because, like you said, like you, you can't sing along to this. The lyrics are hard to sing. They're impossible to figure out the but, way he does yeah. each of these lines, like the, the 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 pattern, the rhythm is is so strange. And also um, it's long, like the studio version is almost six minutes long. It's way yeah. too long of a song, at least in 12 Gardens live. He only did a five minute version. Yeah.
1: yeah so it's unfor- I mean, I, I really do like it. I'm not putting it on Hidden Gems. It's not worthy of that, but I really did enjoy listening to this song again. It is funny. I mean, that Billy Joel, he's all right, you know, (laughs) even the bad ones. I always say it every time, but it keeps (laughs) coming up. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. This song is not a good or well known Billy Joel song, and it's still better than half of the stuff I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's the power of Billy Joel. The power of billy joel hey so what do you think of the empire
0: diner I almost had general, your trivia que- is that your trivia question i don't want to bring it up
1: no 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 not at all
0: um apparently I, it was a hot spot i it's still around i think i think i went past it the other day it's on sixth avenue right y- yeah but it's like under new management it closed and then reopened again
1: that's what i thought i thought it had closed i have never liked that diner because it looks kind of gross in there and it's tiny i like the big sprawling tables and stuff so Uh, But I love the fact that it exists and it's this small little thing. And, you know, it's a classic legendary diner that still somehow survives in Manhattan. And I think it's in the first Spider-Man, too, which makes me happy.
0: Yeah, it's in a lot of movies and TV shows. And apparently, according to Wikipedia, it used to be a celebrity hangout, including Meryl Streep and John Cazale, Josh Brolin, Minnie Driver, Ethan Hawke, Madonna, Julia Roberts, Benjamin Bratt. Steven Spielberg, Barbara Streisand, and Kate Winslet.
1: That's so, but that's strange that it was a celebrity hangout that what you're saying is in the 90s and the early. Well, except 2000s. Meryl
0: Streep and John Kazale. Well, right, se- well, that's what I'm when. saying.
1: That's when I thought it would be a celebrity hangout, more of the 70s, 80s. But then you're saying clearly that it was still a celebrity hangout in the 90s. But I think it was 24 hours. And, you know, that's where do you think I bought Paul Rudd that time we were hanging out? You guys in- went here? No, we went to the diner up the street. I told you, I don't like it. It's too tiny. (laughs) But we went to a diner, and that's the important thing. And you brought your own clams. (laughs) Duh. I'm not going to have those chefs fix them up the way I like them. (laughs) Well,
0: Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a stumper but I'll give it to you anyway, and it's what we were talking about. Now, Billy is obsessed with Gone With the Wind, clearly, and has stated that this song was going to be titled Frankie, My Dear. I don't give a damn. We know that, but he obviously changed it. So you know that he finally put the the line in famous last words. That was part one of my trivia, but I figured you oh, would okay. know that. That's all right. I figured you would know. So, but the question is, which song does he put the actual title Gone with the Wind, exactly 20 years earlier. Okay, so
0: in 1973. Let's say 74. 74. Gone with the Wind. I'm drawing a blank. Wait, so 74, is it on Street Life Serenade? Yes. And it's a song you know, so what could that be?
1: Well, (laughs) the the joke, you're going to hit yourself once you, you know, because... Was it the ballad of Billy the Kid? No, no, it's the song we did. Oh, last that's the wrong time. album. Oh, the Great Suburban Showdown. <laughs> yeah, that's why I <laughs> that's why I asked the question because it's so random. But it was the song we did last time. It was the last episode we did. It's uh, you know. Oh, yeah, in the last verse. When this big bird touches down, I'm only coming home to say goodbye. Then I'm gone with the wind. Guy loves that movie. That one on the waterfront, apparently.
0: I should have got that one.
1: I I was uh, kind of upset only because that was our last episode. I know. (laughs) And we tape in order. (laughs) Yeah.
0: you go, where shall I go? What shall I do?
1: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Uh, Do you have a trivia question for me? Yeah,
0: my trivia question is um, Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) (laughs) Humpty Dumpty is a character in what 1871 novel?
1: Well that's a good question. It's not Alice in Wonderland, is it? No, but you're Okay, but wait, it's it's a Lewis Carroll book. Right? Is it through the looking glass? Yeah. Oh, all right. Second try. Nice. I knew it was Lewis Carroll, but I wasn't sure which one. So I was pretty close. You know you're Humpty Dumpty. Well, I just know picture books mostly.
0: (laughs) I, I was reading it's very fascinating. If you guys have time, read the Wikipedia on Humpty Dumpty, man. It is uh Was he really an egg? Was he originally just a person and he became an egg over time in different literature uh, and like reading the early versions of the rhyme? It's cool how these nursery rhymes like travel through time,
1: Uh, let alone that nursery rhymes are mostly based out of gore and (laughs) horribleness. And uh, most of the nursery rhymes we know are awful. Yeah, I mean, even this one guy falls off a wall and gets broken into pieces. Yeah, they're all mean, let alone the, the Grimm's fairy tales. I mean, they're just, you know, some of these nursery rhymes are like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, just... yeah. Brothers Grimm, they were just some dark, crazy Germans. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of children being eaten. We should have uh, figured that out. Yeah, that World War II never should have happened just from that. <laughs> these Germans, I don't know. Yeah,
0: but they would have said, no, but this one's Austrian. It's not the same thing. <laughs> He's all right. <laughs>
1: I, uh, you know, the last couple of times I've said, well, this is a good one for a parody. I have no idea where you go with this one. I, good luck.
0: And this was, frankly, impossible. So I couldn't figure out. I was like, OK, it's got to be based on the title in some way. Right. And so I asked my wife, Sarah, I said uh, I said, like, give me something that kind of sounds like the Great Wall of China. And she came up with Wine and Danya."
1: So that's, that's actually the best one you've ever You know, you really <laughs> got to hand it to this, Sarah. I feel like you're looking at her right now. That's the best one because your titles stink sometimes. You know how angry I get about them? But your wife is a genius. That's brilliant. I love it already. Oh, you yeah. chose to go another direction. Is that why I, I feel
0: like you're... No, no, no. So that's what I, oh, I, I said. That's okay. good. I said I could work with that. And that's what I'm going to write this about. So that's what, that's what I did. Meanwhile,
1: I will tell you just, you know, before we started, when we were talking... Folks, I'm telling you guys that Alon was like, "Uh, listen, I need some more time. I'm having a real tough one with this one. He's never I mean, he might have said that twice since we've been doing 150 podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I had to sit for a while
0: uh, to first to think of an idea for the title that happened and then even just to get the lyrics was a little bit difficult. And also the way Billy Joel sings this damn song, it's impossible. But,
1: you know, hey, here we go. Meanwhile, you should really have your wife write more of your comedy. Just think about it. Go on. No, I know. You know, I, I think I
0: should. I think after today, I've realized that she's better at, with words than I am. Yeah, clearly. And she's giving me a thumbs up from off camera. Yeah,
1: I knew you were looking at her. I should. <laughs> I could see the whole time you were looking. I knew she was there.
0: Well, she hasn't heard the song yet, so we'll see if she likes what I came up with. She gave me a thumbs down on that part. <laughs> Your love ain't cheap. You can take it from me. I called you up for some good company. You said, okay, so I hopped in the shower. You reminded me that I'll pay by the hour. It costs me, but it's late, so I will pay for a date. You like the finer things and it really shows. Wish we could just cut to the chase and go in the bedroom. But you need a meal or you won't take off your clothes. I have to take the time to wine ya and dine ya. Before you'll get in the bed with me, champagne, lobster and fancy designers or else you're gone. I could have stayed home and just watched Survivor, but damn it, I'd rather pay your hefty fee.
1: So let's go out and I'll whine you and dine you. <laughs> hey, now. Wait, so it was about a prostitute, not just a it- date.
0: Yeah, it's one of these uh, prostitutes that makes you also take them out to dinner. Well,
1: what kind of prostitute think you're going out with the wrong ones?
0: You know, when you call the fancy (laughs) escort service.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's just uh, that does seem ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, it's (laughs) like,
0: hey, I'm paying by the hour and I also have to take you have this whole thing with the date. This is crazy. Classy. I don't want to feel like I'm just doing the sex for money.
1: Yeah, it's like an Arthur when he takes that girl to the plaza. Right at the beginning, the prostitute, and he goes, Oh, this is, Pri-. he sees his aunt and uncle. This is Princess Gloria. Hi.
0: Aunt Pearl, Marcy, you're looking young every day. Doesn't
1: Aunt Pearl look wonderful, darling? She looks great. <laughs> Princess <laughs> Gloria, it's a very small country. Rhode Island could beat the crap out of it in a war. <laughs> That's a tough song. I'm not going to comment on it because I, I don't even. I, I don't even. I don't even remember the song when you were singing. I'm like, wait, what is the melody again? That I think that might have been the toughest one ever, of all time. Yeah, I think melody-wise, that could have been the hardest one. And you definitely didn't want to do the Great Well of Gina little Trump action. <laughs> Just done <it> all Trump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I was thinking of a dirty version, which was the the gray-haired vagina.
1: Ew! <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> That's so disgusting. Great Well of Gina.
0: Well, folks, that was The Great Wall of China. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Have you ever heard this song? Should we go to the Weber's house with pitchforks? Yes. Are you confused with Billy's obsession with Gone with the Wind? I am. Did the Spice Girls steal this intro? Clearly. And would you eat at the Empire Diner if they had all-you-can-eat pancakes?
1: That's obvious for me.
0: I would I'll say, go well, anywhere this, what is the price, though? You know, what, it's all-you-can-eat, but what, how much am I paying for the It
1: pancakes? doesn't matter. I'll go anywhere There's all-you-can-eat. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Jeskow.
0: And this is Billy Joel A to Z.